0: Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me again via Zencaster is my friend Michael Lieboff. And Mike, uh, the last week for the Islanders was, as the French say, a goddamn bummer. Just a real <laughs> goddamn bummer. <laughs> it's just, It just kind of sucked. And yeah, they got a point out of the game on Saturday. But man, I can't imagine a worse way for that week to have gone than the way
1: it went. For... A while we've been spoiled, uh, but you know, under Barry Trotz and Lamarillo and this kind of new regime, um, because I I forgot what it was like to just expect the worst case scenario for every Islander moment, not just game, but like moment. Every odd man rush against us, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a goal. Every bad icing, I just assume is gonna end up in as a goal. Like every everything that could go wrong, whether it's a bad review from Toronto, um. I just I'm always assuming it's going to not go Islanders the Islanders way, um, and when I was thinking that at the game yesterday, uh, especially you know after the goal that it shouldn't have counted, but whatever you know, it was a four on three for another minute and a half. But me and my dad were at the game and we just got up out of our seats after even under the review and we're like just walking out of the concourse towards where our car was parked and didn't even give a second thought to turning back around. Because I just knew, and he knew that this is not going to go our way, and that is a very same old Islanders way of thinking, you know, which was basically my whole life and your whole life as a fan from basically nineteen ninety five to two thousand and whatever last year was when Trotz got ex- uh, signed and and kind of turned this whole ethos around, and it's back, and it sucks. It sucks that that's now uh, how I feel again, and I, and I for his part sometimes i'd you know miss being like oh, i really wish you'd miss those those that feeling you know for a split second like it was kind of fun at at some points because when things did go right like you you really appreciated them more but it i don't i, I was wrong I, I shouldn't have never missed this because this is not fun i have a amount of self-loathing that um i kind of forgot i had in as in, in as, as far as fandom and here we are it's a happy way to start a happy way to start the show. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. and This slump now is going on over two months, you know, and, and we've started shows with with some bad news. But then, you know, we kind of have come around to the idea of like, you know, maybe things won't be that terrible and they won't go the exact wrong way that they could possibly go. But this this week was just one of those where the games that they played and the games that other teams played and you know what the Islanders lost all three of them. Again, they got one point uh, and then the other teams lost or won whatever has led to them right now. And I have the NHL standings up. So they have played 67 games. So I guess that leaves uh, what 15 games left. Uh, they have 79 points. The Carolina hurricanes also have 67 games played and 79 points. The Columbus Blue Jackets have 69 games played, so two more games played than either team, and they have 79 points. And so, and the New York Rangers have 68 games played with 76 points, so they're not quite out of it yet as well. Um, And so, you know, all of this kind of, you know, uh, the the ethos that has changed, the Barry Trotz system that's come in, and we got used to last year, and used to this year, and you know, has gone missing for a while, has led them to exactly the place that we all kind of hate, you know, fighting uh th- for the three other teams for two playoff spots and slumping big time. Uh they I will say, well let's start with um with the most recent game, the Saturday game against Carolina and you were there, so I definitely going to want to hear what you you felt the inside of the uh Coliseum was like, uh, particularly in, in, in that ending when uh it seemed maybe uh there was some uh, curious refereeing going on there, but I will say this, for the second and third periods yesterday, I thought that they looked like themselves for the first time in a long time. On Friday, I posted a thing at Lighthouse Hockey called What the Hell Happened to Islander Hockey? Because to me, this team had not been playing that. You know, you lose is one thing, but we had gotten used to them being aggressive, pressuring other teams, clogging neutral zones, clogging slots, you know, keeping other teams out of high danger chances, not turning the puck over that much. And that w- those are the exact things that they weren't doing, which were leading to these losses. Uh, and I'm happy to say that for periods two and three yesterday – they looked like they were playing Islander hockey. Unfortunately, all it did was end up tying the game, which was great. Noah Dobson with maybe the best play of his career so far is <laughs> setting up Josh Bailey, who, you know, if anybody needed a goal in the worst way in this team, it was definitely Josh Bailey. Um, and then they got the gift of a power play with a minute to go. And things were looking up. They, you know, they, if they hadn't, even if they didn't score there, you figured they'd get a four on three in overtime. And about 30 seconds into that power play, Matt Barzell, Brings a stick up into Jordan uh, Stahl's face and uh, gets a four minute major for high sticking. The second four minute major of the game for the Islanders for high sticking. Leo Komarov had had one earlier and there goes your power play. There goes your advantage in overtime and the Hurricanes get it and they didn't even need it because the goal that got scored was potentially off a high stick. I mean, the (laughs) official, (laughs) the official explanation was that had the, you know, Andre Svechnikov stick did touch the puck it wasn't over his shoulder the puck then hit the crossbar it bounced to Vinny Trocek who then threw the puck at the net which then bounced off of Scott Mayfield's chest and then behind Thomas Grice and had the puck just gone straight in off of Svechnikov's stick um, it would have been a high stick apparently but the refs looked at it for a few seconds and then they left and that was it and the Islanders were kind of left holding the bag and as our friends at Isle's blog showed, if you looked at uh, Rod Brindamore's reaction, he was like, oh, OK, well, we'll take it. And then they left. So even he was surprised that his team got two points out of that. But uh, what was it like in the building for, I, I guess, for the third period? They were down two one. They tied it. Power play. No power play loss. I mean, that was like must have been a, a wild roller coaster uh, of emotions, like right then and there inside of that building inside of about five minutes of play. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, that was weird. The whole, the whole like, um, atmosphere going into the game was strange too because there's people on pins and needles, uh, basically wondering. Most, I mean, yes, basically begging for a win. And but as you were talking about in the article, like wondering what team was going to show up and hope, just hoping to God that we saw the Islanders that we've kind of known to love and appreciate more than anything. And um,
0: and they were playing a team that had kind of blown them out <laughs> the last right. bunch bunch of meetings too yeah so
1: it's always like it was like this weird fear uh but there was like also a little bit of optimism and, and the the fact that the hurricanes took that lead in the first period really just sent the building into like a weird um funk you can feel it almost throughout like nobody wanted to there weren't nobody was smiling and it was just i mean it, it I don't. I mean, I hate to keep talking about it because it's just like in the news all the time. But like even just the fact, like with the with the COVID, coronavirus thing, like it's just like everyone was already on edge, and I think something like this, which is what's happening in the world, automatically makes you a little bit more exhausted and stressed. Um, so it's it's everyone's already dealing with that, and then to, not not that these two things are equal. But then dealing with the slump, like everyone's just like, you could feel the weight of the world on everyone's shoulder in the concourse. And there's no better place than to lift that weight off that Nassau Coliseum and mm-hmm. uh, do it together. as. A, and for a little while there, it really did look like that was coming off. That I really think that Noah Dobson play could be, if if this, this funk, if they are truly coming out of this funk, which it does feel a little bit like they are, and I knock on wood because if they're not, I'm going to be hor- horrified. But you you did feel a little bit of that um, that on that play by Dobson, which I think could end up being the most important play maybe of the season. Um, I think right now it's probably Ryan Pollock's goal against the Flyers, but this this play could end up being it trumping that. But like it then then yes, like you said, they earn they earned that power play um, and one one mistake by Matt Barzell. Uh, Kind of just blew that whole, all that good feeling to just to Smithereens, and it's been that's kind of been what's been going on. Like they they will build on things, and things will be looking good, and then somebody makes a mistake uh, to kind of you know it's, it's two steps forward and then six steps back almost because like that it just it it, it the the player that made the mistake being Barzell, um He I, I thought he was great yesterday. He was really yeah. the only. He was great against the Senators. His line was that only, the only line that looked threatening against the Senators. But that the fact that it was him and people are, are starting to kind of turn on him a little bit. Just I I think that their their anger is is mispl- is justified but misplaced. Like you can be angry, but I, and this is Matt Barzell is doing everything he can to help the Islanders. And of course, you know he he is a um, mercurial player, and and you take the good with the bad, and that certainly was the bad, but. Um, people kind of blaming him for the islanders' misfortunes, is definitely not 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 the way you want to approach this uh streak. But he's definitely not
0: the guy to blame for all this because he's been doing everything he can to like will this team to score goals. And uh, you know, if uh if he's not scoring, it's hard to see who is. So that's been part of the problem. Uh and if anything, his line mates haven't just they've just been snake bitten. You know, that's kind of the problem, is that know anders Lee does a lot of the same things he's been doing all his career but they're just not falling for him you know the, the way they they were before um but yeah i had i did see that and you know uh trotz called barzell's penalty a cardinal sin which tells me that he probably had a conversation with matt either that day or on the plane ride to vancouver for their next game about putting his team into situations like that and it was you know an offensive zone power penalty is the kind of thing that makes us hate leo komarov sometimes You don't want to see that from Matt Barzell, but I mean, he was brilliant in that game and he was brilliant against the Senators too. Um, But, um, you know, when, when Bailey scored that goal, um, I, I, that was a huge moment. And that like felt like an Islanders thing because trots called them in the first period, fragile, you know, they were trying to not make a mistake and they started playing too cautious. They started to turn things around after killing a couple of big penalties in second and third period. And by the third period, they looked like themselves and that kind of goal uh, by Bailey of all people is the kind of goal that they were getting earlier this season last year when they made these runs so I I do feel like like you do like the, it could be turning around but the fact that it's turning around at this point in the season uh, and still not leading to wins and they're going on a Western Conference road trip through Vancouver Edmonton Calgary uh, they better start uh, coming around because if they don't you know they're going to come back from this this road trip and they're going to be the ones outside of the playoffs looking in with these other three teams that are battling for the same spots basically
1: yeah they they they, it's almost like they it's a a, it's not a must win situation uh like all three nights but in 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 terms of like probability of making the playoffs and they're not dead if they don't but if there's ever a time for a three-game winning streak or just a (laughs) sweep sweep a road trip like this is it like i You can't say it any any more plainly than that, and you just hope, uh, you know, maybe a win against Vancouver, however they can get it, can kind of jolt them. I think, right? They start with Vancouver, and then they do the um, the the battle of Alberta back to back. So if they if they can do that and jolt themselves a little bit, like it would just do wonders—not just for them, but just for the fans and the coaching staff. It's it's um it's really frustrating because there are no answers really like you were saying like we just this team kind of just got like raptured and and replaced with a different team or something for a little while um and we're starting to see them come back to where they were and but even, hockey as it's it is a sport where even if you are improving your your process and you play like if the bounces don't go your way um you're screwed it's just the way that, that's what makes the sport so great and so cruel at the same time um so even if the Islanders are playing better overall they're still going to need some bounces to go their way, um, and there's no guarantee that that happens. Teams go entire seasons where they just are have rotten luck. Like look at the Blue Jackets who have just had terrible, terrible like injury luck all season. They sure they're 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 having a successful season relative to their uh, kind of preseason projections and where they should be considering the injuries and stuff. But I mean, they're likely much more likely than not to fall short of the playoffs in in a, in a season where they deserve if you just look at like their body of work to be there. um, So there's no guarantee that bounces are going to come around. And if what we saw (laughs) against Carolina where, yeah, like you said, it was a high stick and then the the shot also goes off Scott Mayfield somehow into the net and Johnny Boychuk a couple, you know, weeks ago, we talked about him deflecting a goal from 30 feet out. And like, they're just, the the bounces are insane.
0: Even the other goal, the second goal that Carolina got, Mm-hmm. You know, the Islanders had been playing really well, and there was a, a miscommunication. It ended up kind of being a, a, a bit of a, I guess, a two on one or even maybe a two on two back the other way, and then it was like a weird bounce, and uh, you know something happened, and basically Joel Edmondson just deposited it into an empty net. Like it was, it was a very strange, you know, a play that just ended up with the Islanders giving up a goal, and it was like that. Before that, they had basically had the run and play, so. Yeah, you know we we've talked ad nauseum about their their margin of error being very thin right now. They have a negative, they have a zero goal differential, 188 goals for, 188 goals against, um, which you know sounds weird. Like if just a few months ago they had a totally fine goal differential because they just didn't give up that many goals, and now all of a sudden they they've you know a couple five nothing losses to Nashville or you know a couple of blowouts here six two loss to Montreal, which we'll talk about in a second um and there goes your goal differential. Um they've given up the second least amount of goals in the division. The Columbus Blue Jackets have given up two less. Um but you know the other thing too is that every team right now in the division with the exception of the Philadelphia Flyers is really struggling. The Penguins lost today to the, the so the Hurricanes picked up two points obviously against the Islanders to get back into the playoff position and then they picked up two more um today with a, a huge win in pittsburgh they won six to two which i don't think a lot of people expected the penguins sometimes just can't get out of their own way sometimes uh the capitals are slumping hard and they beat the Rangers. they you know had a uh a lead on the rangers and ended up losing to Mika sabanajad basically all by himself because he had five goals um you know the rangers uh, lost to the devils the devils did the islanders a huge favor on saturday night after all that uh they could have crept a little bit closer but they lost 6-2 to the devils so um, the blue jackets like we've said they've just lost man, man you know bodies and people the whole time and just can't you know can't get a win they they lost last night uh somewhere i think i want to say edmonton uh or was it vancouver one of those two but um you know if you can that's and that to me is the single most frustrating thing like slumps happen we've talked about this team having rotten luck and and not, you know being its own worst enemy and getting out of its groove to me the worst part is the fact that Everybody else is slumping, which in a way helps keep the Islanders afloat, but also means that when they're not getting wins, they're not, they could, if they were getting wins, they could be separating themselves from these teams with very little. (laughs) Had they won two out of their last, if they had gone four, five, and one in their last 10, as opposed to two, five, and three, they would be up by five points in the playoffs and we wouldn't be having these conversations. You know, they would be a whole different thing and there would just be two wins. But. It didn't happen, and now, you know, again they're stuck in this this mire with all these teams fighting for the same playoff spot. Um, Earlier this week, but you know, again there were positives. I thought in the Carolina game, the refereeing. You know, uh, I man, I don't even know. Like it's just sometimes the rule book tends to contradict common sense, which I think is part of the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, people see a guy play a game, a puck with a high stick, and they're like, "How is that not a high stick?" I don't know. There's a rule book that says it's not. None of it makes any sense unless you're a referee. The referees never talk. There were penalties all over the place in that game. Nothing was called <laughs> in the third period until that high stick on Jordan Stahl. So I, I don't know. And you know, one thing that I remember Trot saying was he doesn't argue with refs unless he knows he's right. And he was giving the refs the real business after that game. Um, and which tells me he was probably right and he knew he had an argument. But it is what it is. What are you going to do? And I just, I don't know. The, the Islanders are never going to get the benefit of the, of the doubt and a call. That, that's another thing I know. And it's, again, uh, like you said off the top, like a feeling I wish I didn't have anymore, but unfortunately I, I have it again. Just the idea that they're never going to get those calls and they're constantly going to get screwed by the refs. It's just, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, and it's, you, you hate to like harp on it, but it's kind of been an underlying theme to this whole um, season. And it's just weird because if this was, you know, the Leafs or the Canucks mm-hmm. or, you know, a bigger market team I with a bigger media spotlight. I think uh, you know, something would be said. Every now and then, like Elliot Freeman will note, like, yeah, the Islanders are on pace for the fewest power plays in, in the league history and stuff like that. But it's it's just been bad and I mean that that, that goal the the goal that shouldn't have counted, Rod Brendemore was like shocked on the bench that it went in and, and that it counted. So everything points to it being wrong would the Islanders have killed off like the rest of that power play. Probably not, but you know, like I don't, I don't, you know, I think the I've never seen the Islanders kill off a long four on three in overtime. So um, I try not to get like too mad about it. It was, but the I was as much as I was trying to focus on the positives. It's uh, it's just been such, it's been so hard doing that. And I know we're going to talk about the, the other two games before that. And I actually think like the same thing with the senators, like you, you, they looked all right. They hit a couple of posts and had some really bad bounces in that game too. And um, it's, but that that well, obviously, loss was inexcusable as as was the Canadian the effort in the Canadians game after uh, the effort in the Bruins game was inexcusable too. Like I mean, both those games, the Bruins and Canadians games, they went down early uh, and just gave up. They're like, all right, right, we'll, we'll try to do better in the next game. And the, I was at the Barclays for the game against the Canadians, I think, and I've been to a lot. Of really bad Islander atmospheres in my life, that was probably the worst. I really don't say that lightly. That that might have been the worst Islander environment I've ever witnessed.
0: <laughs> it was. Bad. I was in I was in Atlantic City uh, helping my wife chaperone uh, like a class trip or like a, this class group trip, and I had set aside the whole day. I had it on my phone. I was watching, and in the blink of an eye, they were down three nothing. And I was so mad that, like, you know, my wife knows me, obviously, but her coworkers were like, oh, what are you watching? And I was just like, how do I explain <laughs> what I'm watching? It's such a simple question. <laughs> the answer is just a hockey game. But, like, how do I have to explain, well, I'm watching my team implode against a team with a, you know, negative whatever goal differential in a game that they need to win. Um you know, both of those, I, I, to me, I thought the Senators game, I, I, to me, I, they were just sloppy. They were turnovers. They were very indecisive. Like there was a lot of sort of, you know, East West with the puck. Like at one point, again, in third period, like it seemed like two or three guys were passing it back and forth in their own zone as opposed to like bringing it out to the other end of the ice towards Craig Anderson, you know, the Senator's goalie. Um, And so it just, uh, you know, yeah, they made it four three late, but I, at no point did I ever think that they were going to win that game. You know, like they they were down one nothing, or they were up one nothing. They had a two one lead too, but I just it never felt comfortable. And uh, you know that team has a negative forty eight goal differential. Like, there's no earthly reason. I know they're, you're in their building, but like, there's no reason you should have lost that game. There's no reason they should have lost the game against Canadians. I was on the uh, Canadians podcast with my friends Scott and Laura. Before that game, and I was like, "There's no way the Islanders win that game." And they're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Because they make the Canadians, no matter what year it is, look like the '77, you know, Stanley Cup champion Canadians. Like, they, there's something about that team. The Islanders cannot beat them, and they came out and just they wrecked them. Like you said, there was no effort, there was nothing, and it was really, really disheartening. I just, I don't know how. I know Trotz likes to keep things level, but man, how did he not like just start throwing chairs around the room? Like I was, I, I'm, I was in Atlantic City, and I was like beside myself with anger <laughs> but all i had all i could do was like sit and take attendance to these kids going into this, <laughs> this thing you know? but um yeah those 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 are two of the worst games Uh probably the two worst games of the season at the, at the yeah, worst and, possible and, time
1: and they came on the heels of uh another right. sickening game against the bruins that's but like at least
0: at least that game you get why they didn't right. play well like they were playing against a good team
1: but you know yeah you just you hope that like yeah. Uh, they saw the final score and were like, well, we didn't score in this game. We better you know, get our act together for the next one. And they didn't. And, and look, I don't think anyone uh, should escape blame when you're in a skid like this. And uh, we're, we're very, we're very like good and gentle the Barry Trots. but there's going to come a time. And I thought maybe the Canadians game was it where he was, it's either one or the other with Komarov and Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Komarov was terrible in that Canadians game in his own zone and, Kind of just you know that was after the Bruins game where he was you know messing about with Marsh and, and Costing Islanders you know some <laughs> some mm-hmm. a couple of times in that game and he, he just doesn't ever seem to uh, learn he's just a, he's a uh, a liability at all times I mean even against the Canadian uh, Hurricanes when he took that that uh, stupid double minor the first double oh, crazy first double minor of the game. But uh, between him and Martin, I think you just need to make a decision. Like it's got to be one or the other um, for different reasons. Like if you, I don't think Martin is a uh, you know liability in terms of like a from like a penalty thing or anything like that. But more it's just his lack of skill and speed and any form of like dynamic talent. Whereas Kamarov maybe has like a flash or two of that and is um, does like provide moments of of good to if, but they didn't, they rarely bounce out the bad. So I think at some point Trotz has to make a decision there, even if Sezekis and Clutterbuck are back. Like, I don't, I don't understand why, uh, both of these guys need to be in the lineup. Even, even if one of them do at this point, like, I think the Islanders maybe are better off finding, uh, you know, a home for Andrew Ladd on that fourth line or something. Cause I thought he was fine yesterday. And I think he's been, anytime he's been asked to play, I think he's been fine. Um, and he's been better than those two guys. And sure, he's he's not you know, paying uh, $7 million for a guy to play on the fourth line is tough. But I mean, what's the difference between that and playing him to sit in the press box? So I do hope at some point maybe uh, those uh, decisions are made. Uh, and I mean, the same with like, Dobson. I think it's, it's tough because of the way Trotz handles him. But he's provided the Islanders with much more uh, oomph. From an offensive standpoint, and a little bit more of a uh, threat to to provide offense than Boychuk, and Boychuk's got that great shot. So obviously, what happened to Boychuk was horrifying and terrible. But when he does, when he is healthy, like you'd you'd hope that Trotz does consider that you know this team has struggled for a while now with with Boychuk in the lineup. Why not you know see what if Dobson can provide something and continue to play like a sturdy game when he's on his his natural side? So. I do hope that the those decisions are at least coming – maybe maybe getting to the point where they need to be made because I think that will only help the team. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, that was tough to watch with Kamarov the past couple of games. Yeah, no.
0: yeah, he was really bad in the Canadians game. and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. I totally forgot. 90 stitches for Boychuk. we all know by now. He made a joke about uh, – facial recognition not working on his phone <laughs> which is why he couldn't get back to everybody sooner. So Johnny's uh johnny sense of humor wasn't damaged in that that incident, that's for sure. But uh that's the uh third skate cut of the season for the Islanders in the last month and a half. Sizekis clutterbuck and and now Boychuk and I don't know. Another conspiracy maybe. But uh feel better, <laughs> it's Johnny. Uh there's
1: a curse it team. is a curse. <laughs> it is it's a curse it's unbelievable. Team. Like yeah. if you think about the uh islanders misfortunes over the years have o- almost always been of the shoot yourself in the own in your own foot variety mm. this year it's like just there's something else there's some darker stuff at work here because the yeah. the pelic injury and then three lacerations what on earth
0: yeah <laughs> right and the pellic injury too that was completely a freak accident of uh two touch so yeah I know and you know again these are these are key pieces in particular cases Zika's uh, you know, and, and Adam Pellick, the two of them being out has really messed them up. But, uh, let's, uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some lineup decisions for now and pot- potentially the future, far into the future, far into like the Belmont future. Uh, we'll talk about those in a minute. So join us then. Thanks.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're hear is in
0: conversation with business icons. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily
1: bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can buy t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. I was at my cousin's 50th birthday on Saturday uh, out on Long Island, and I was wearing my Long Island Ducks t-shirt from vintageicehockey.com and i struck up a conversation with uh, a friend of hers and uh, he's turned out to be an islanders fan and we were talking all night basically about uh, uh, the islanders and you know roster decisions and stuff and uh, i told him about lighthouse hockey i told him about this and all of our other great podcasts and i told him about vintageicehockey.com as you go there you can buy also our lighthouse hockey al arbor t-shirts if you use the code lighthouse 15 you save 15% off your order if you use the code, if you buy an Al Arbor T-shirt, our portion goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research so you can make a donation, get a cool shirt, save yourself some money, do it. Vintageicehockey.com. Uh, yeah, so we talked about a bunch of different things. Uh, he asked how I thought they were doing with Dobson, and I basically said what you said, you know, like, that it's tough, he can't play in the AHL, he's, he's done everything he could possibly do in junior, but I think that, you know, he's, he's spotted in, and he's played well, and this was, you know, after that that play he made in the Carolina game and I think he's shown flashes I think Carrie Haber has shown our friend has shown his numbers underlying have looked pretty good now he's still a 19 year old kid and so he, there's going to be hiccups here and there but I think overall he's he's played pretty well but the the Islanders lineup is an interesting Beast and and again uh, my cousin's friend and I were talking about how and he was in agreement with me that you know this is an old roster like we've talked about this last week these are they have guys signed for six, seven you know uh, yes yeah, si- seven six five four year contracts into the future so in order for lula Amorello to make moves some of those guys might have to go away and some of them uh somebody f- younger or cheaper is going to have to show up and take a spot from somebody now lad we talked about is potentially being on the block he apparently okay to trade to minnesota which would have brought back zach breezy another guy on a, on a big long-term contract um but you know when they go into slumps like this it does make you wonder like where are these where are the upgrades going to come from because right now they have two two pretty okay scoring lines when you shake it out obviously Lee Barzell and Everly, and then Nelson Beauvillier and Bailey let's just throw him on that line but then they have a lot of other guys that are you know sometimes okay at stuff and sometimes not Michael Del Cole takes a lot of abuse on social media but like you know he's an okay forward that just doesn't score goals like he just can't do it and no matter how close he gets to the net or what he what kind of shots he takes I've never seen a guy hit goalies in the chest more with shots than Michael Dow Cole I don't know what he's trying to do out there but he's definitely keeps hitting goalies in the chest um Leo Komarov we talked about a lot uh, they have a fourth line that's great but one of those guys is hurt Kalerbach came back and was hurt again and Martin as much as we all love him uh, my cousin's friend was like what do you think about Matt Martin I'm like I love Matt Martin." But sometimes I just don't know what he's doing out there, you know, and and I, I wonder how much longer he has left in him. Frankly, personally, and again, I love Matt Martin. If I were him, this would be my last year. I might retire. I, I believe Sydney is pregnant, right? So, I mean, they can have a family. He could join the Islanders broadcast booth without missing a beat, and he could still be the mayor of Long Island and not have to, like, you know, get out there and hit people and and get beat on goals and stuff like that. So that's what I would do. That's what Matt Martin wants to do. I doubt it. But, uh, yeah, somebody's going to have to decisions are going to need to be made after this season on a lot of these roster spots. And and that could mean a lot of changes or it really could mean not a whole lot because I'm not sure where these guys are going to go, especially after they sign the RFAs that they have to. So I try not to think too much about it because it depresses me even more. (laughs) If I stay in the moment, just stay in, you know, the other guy to make the playoffs, I'm okay. But yeah, once I start wondering about what some of these guys are going to look like and 31 32 years old they start getting a little bit more nervous
1: yeah that's what makes this um, collapse uh, or potential collapse all that scarier is that yeah this team was kind of set up uh, to win this year and next year and maybe the the, the first year at Belmont whatever if you want to say like the core was kind of still be intact and hopefully still a threat but I mean it, it, there's a chance that the the playoff run last year and the great start to this season was the peak, uh, of, for this, this generation of the, or this iteration of the team. And that, that is what makes it so frightening because they cannot. And we've now seen, uh, Andrew Gross and Arthur Staples talked about it. We've talked about it like under any, it, of course it's, it's inexcusable to miss the playoffs, um, in a season where you start 16, three and two or whatever they did. Uh, and, Win ten games or nine games in a row and get points in seventeen in a row and all the great stuff they did in the first half—it's inexcusable on, on its surface. But when you look deeper uh, under, it becomes like a calamity if they do miss us playoffs this season because of the way the roster is constructed and what's coming uh, with Belmont in two years. So that is people might think we're overreacting a little bit, or but this is this is actually a crossroads for this franchise that we didn't need to see yet. And of why it's just unfortunate that we, that we're here. I, I had my uh, fantasy baseball draft last night and we had the Ranger game on and I, told, uh, you know, we were basically just in the bag and I was uh, one of my friends who's a Ranger fan was uh, making fun of us a little bit about how scared we were and that this is it. Like, this is like pathetic and that the Rangers are going to catch us. The Rangers were up to one. And I told them mm. that, if the Rangers lost that game in re- regulation, I was going to donate fifty bucks to the Garden of Dreams Foundation. And then, <laughs> so this morning, I woke up and I had an email from the Garden of Dreams Foundation. Thank you for their donation. I completely forgot in my uh, my drunken <laughs> haze that I did that.
0: But that's uh, funny. Uh, yeah, you, there's worse things you could do when you're drunk than donating to the Garden of Dreams <laughs> Foundation stuff. <so.
1: laughs> but I, I was like, yeah, well, hey, that's a, but that's the part we're at. we point we're at where it's like you're. I'm doing like you know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm sure like. In the end, that was a, a good deed, but like that, it was I was panicked, and I was like making it almost. I was making a deal with the devils to to like get that to do some good to help the Islanders, and yeah, that, I mean that was a huge result for them. And but where that's the point of the season we're at, like, and it's 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 compounded by the um, elephant in the room, which is that yeah, like this is a roster that will need to be kind of torn down and blown blown to pieces in uh probably like two years maximum, and it could be you know, another rebuild, uh, staring at us in the face. So we better make the most out of this window. And, uh, we thought we were, and God knows it doesn't look that way anymore.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, again, like lots, lots can happen. And, and I think I, f- I, feel like I said this a couple of weeks ago too, is that, you know, the fact that, that lad has already, like the ice has already been broken on lad waving that no movement clause and being traded, uh, so that, that's sort of encouraging. And I, I want to say too, I, I agree with you. Like, I think he looked really good. He was one of the better Islanders throughout the entire game against Carolina. He, and for the first period, he might've been the only good Islander. Like he looked really good in that game. Um, but the fact that, you know, he's willing to move might, might open up some doors. I, I think that the fact that Leo Komarov was scratched a bunch of times this year, I think opens up that door as well. Um, you know, Matt Martin is a free agent and I think he is going to have to sit and and wonder about where he wants to go. Cause I, I can't imagine he's too happy with, how this season has gone either he's been healthy scratched his friends have been hurt his his line has not been what it was in the past it had Sezikis and Clutterbuck been healthy the whole time and they've been having their normal season then maybe it'd be different but you know this this season has really kind of illustrated the point pretty strongly that as a unit those three guys are really effective and as uh, you know once one piece here or there not really so much especially you take Sezikis out of there and all the whole thing just kind of falls apart um. So I, th- there are options there, and I mean, I think that we're just going to have to unfortunately wait and see. But yeah, if you're waiting for this team to to start over again and trade everybody and you know try and tank for a draft pick, I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. We we said that too a while back. Especially once they sign Barzell and pullock and and Taves to new contracts, you're talking about a lot of dudes that are going to be here for a long time, and I don't think that they're going to get traded anytime soon. So. You know, we'll have to see. Uh, is it the worst situation in the world? No. Uh, missing the playoffs would, would be pretty disastrous. And, I, I you know, I just um, – that's not what they pay these guys. You know, these owners are shelling out lots and lots of money for not only the players but also Barry Trotz and Lou Amorello and, and a frigging arena that's going up <laughs> somewhere, you know, Belmont. So they're not in this to, to miss the playoffs. Um, and that's – again, it gets back to what I was saying before, like – this slump has gone on for two months and you wonder what happened to Islanders hockey the entire time. And had they picked up, you know, two or three or four wins in that same time frame, they still could have been slumping, but it would have been, they would have been having more productive time with it and wouldn't be quite on the edge of oblivion the way they are now. So I don't know. It's uh, it's not a great situation to be in a week from now. If they come back with three wins. Then, you know, maybe, maybe we can all take a deep breath, but yeah. I don't know. I have a hard time seeing that happening. To be honest, it's
1: uh, yeah, it doesn't. It feels um, almost insert like, like monumental if that would happen. It's a, it it is a steep, steep ask of this team to do that. And I say this because every every time that they sustain pressure in the offensive zone right now feels feels like a miracle because they they're having trouble getting out of their own zone. They're having trouble getting any sort of forecheck going unless it's the first line, and you see like yesterday I would say it's after for through the first two periods or for the first 30 minutes of the game they probably had two successful four checks and one of them resulted in a goal and I think another one resulted in a penalty for for a power play Mm. for them so (laughs) like it's just like when they do those things right like they are they and they're clicking like it's just they're going to be tough to beat and like this is not a hope all hope is lost moment yet um at all I mean look we've We've been in a lot worse, more precarious situations in our fan lifetime than than this one, for sure. And I remind myself of that all the time when I'm, you know, kind of freaking out about this season. Like, yeah, most of my life, I've I've spent March, you know, worrying about whether you know Justin Mapletoft is gonna be the look good and be the guy for next year, and or you know, like stuff like that. Like you're, when you're 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 the, you're playing prospects and stuff and. Like this is not that bad. However, uh, it can get to be uh, that bad pretty soon. So, but a three—I mean, a three-game winning streak—if they could somehow find their way through Western Canada and get six points any way they can, I mean, it, it, I would—I would donate again to the Garner Dreams Foundation, and I would definitely, definitely throw a parade somewhere. I don't know where, but good God! Yeah. And I mean, and <laughs> that that, that three-game winning—like, if they do some even five points, like they will be in really good shape and it's trot said it was very Trotsian way the other before the carolina game he said look we woke up in a playoff spot somehow despite this crazy slump the islanders are still in a playoff spot and he's like they earned that like this team earned that right the right to basically almost throw away a season but still not still have a chance (laughs) to do it so Yeah. yeah if you're looking for positives that's it
0: yeah no but yeah you're right i mean if they if they could pick up any points at all they'd be in great shape but you know if they were able to pick up a point in arizona or a point uh you know against st louis well they got a point against st louis but you know if they were able to pick up uh a couple points here and there uh then again we wouldn't be having these conversations but there you go case like barry trott said they are in a playoff spot and it's it's you know kind of theirs to lose right now so hopefully they can uh they can grab it by the horns because they need they need points. They just need points. And uh no place no better place to do that than Vancouver, the team that robbed them of a point <laughs> in, in Barclay Center a few a few weeks ago. So there you go. Um uh so uh yeah, you know, but you brought up uh, Justin Mapletoft now, and uh I had no he was an islander this week. So let's just screw it. He's he's our islander. Justin Mapletoft. Uh I'm sure uh, you may remember him, fifth round pick, nineteen ninety-nine draft, a legendary Name and Islanders lore. I didn't realize he wore two numbers. He wore twenty-six and sixteen. Part yeah. of that sort of cursed number sixteen uh run that they've had for a long time there. There's a lot of weird guys. Uh total stats for the Islanders, thirty-eight goal thirty-eight games played, three goals, six assists, nine points. But only a minus two, which is pretty impressive considering <laughs> these teams he played on were not very good. Um, but yeah, Justin Mapletoff <laughs> yeah. was an Islander. He was. Nobody wanted yeah. forget that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah he, he uh he's another one that i i uh i had i had high hopes for him i thought him and you know pa- like the two justin's him and justin papineau or they were mm. they were gonna be the the big thing that uh t- took the torch from i guess Pekka or whoever but uh yep Justin mapletoft good god
0: yeah um uh, Papineau i'll never forget was acquired for chris osgood that was yep. the whole thing like he was the big get for them um didn't really work out but i will say this for uh for uh, mapletoff though he had a good run with the sound tigers and then man he's he played in europe for a hell of a long time <laughs> swiss league germany austria like he was all over the place over there so i mean he's he's he was playing hockey for a very long time uh after he left the islanders he didn't just sort of you know leave the islanders and then leave and then just be done with hockey he played around right until uh 2011 2012 so good on him yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. My God. <laughs> so there you go. So congratulations, Justin Mapletoft and also uh, rest in peace to the great Henri Richard, the pocket rocket passed away this week. Uh, he won 11 Stanley Cups, which is an inconceivable amount of Stanley Cups to win. Uh, he won them from the fifties through the mid seventies. You know, I just, you know, when you talk about they don't make them like that anymore. Henri Richard is one of those guys. They just don't make anymore. Like he's just you know, you heard these stories about him. And I didn't realize that he was 15 years younger than Maurice Richard. I am. I have an older sister who's 15 years older than me. And I just, you know, that, that always kind of fascinates me. Um, but I just, you know, because they played on so many Canadians teams. I just assumed that they, they were only a couple of years apart. But, boy, that would explain why Henri's career was so long. And, and he I think he had more Stanley Cups than his brother had. So there you go. Rest in peace, Henri Richard, the Canadians legend, hockey legend.
1: Yeah, those uh, those guys, they are. Um, you know the the Richards and the the Belavos, the Fleurs, like their names are, like it's almost un- yeah, like you said, un- unfathomable. Um, especially because hockey's uh, past is especially in this country isn't like celebrated, and the legends aren't as uh you don't we don't you know there's probably what 150 books about Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig, and uh, it's those those kind of the the guys who kind of ran, ran the show in like the fifties and sixties for the Canadians and the seventies. Like you, you don't really know you, you have to make some effort in this country to kind of find out what, what made them so special. And it's, it's all wild. I mean, it's a, it was a wild city um, that, that the way that they just won and won. And won. I mean, obviously yeah, six teams, so a little different, but it was just, it's just crazy just to, to kind of wrap your head around it. Um, and the, the fact that uh, the Islanders and Canadians were basically left two dynasties in the sport uh, always kind of links them, and uh, yeah, we can't beat them. But uh, I always have a little <laughs> like you always just like respect little more like, of course, the the rivalries that they they share some similar rivalries, and uh, although I do I I was talking to my buddies from Montreal, and he was talking we were talking about Peugeot, and he's we were talking about how. I was like, yeah, you know, he killed the Rangers that playoff series, you know, 2014 or whatever it was. So it makes, we love him even more. He said, do you, you forget? But he also killed us in that. And he's like, uh, he's, he's like, he is the only French Canadian player that I think all Montreal Canadiens fans just loathe uh, right now in the league. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and yeah. He, he had that huge series. So, but Yeah, uh,
0: Scott and Laura were convinced that the Islanders were going to win that game specifically because they have Pajot now. And they're like, no, you don't understand. This guy absolutely destroys the Canadians every time he plays, and then he end up being on on the ice for five goals against. So obviously that <laughs> mojo only worked when he played for Ottawa, uh, not so much anymore. But there you go. But yeah, I, I, did, I didn't realize that either. God, it's going to be a tough week. I'm just thinking about.
1: I'm just thinking about it.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm trying not to think too hard. But uh, hey, you know what? We're in it. Like they're in it now. We're all in this together. Anybody that's like, oh, I'm not going to watch this team anymore. Dude, you're already here. Like, you know, we're all still watching. (laughs) If you were going to jump off the bandwagon, you would have done it before. Like like all of us, like all of us. We're all still here after everything that's gone on. So, uh, you know, all we can do is hope that Islander Hockey will be back and they will find that groove again and they will pick up some points in places that they generally don't, but... We're all going to be staying up late watching them. 10 o'clock start Tuesday night in Vancouver, 10 o'clock Eastern time anyway. Yeah, great. So perfect. Uh, In the meantime, you can take your time to read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. You can subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching Lighthouse Hockey and Any podcasting app of your choice, you'll get us, you'll get Isles Buzz, you'll get P.T. Isles, you'll get Islanders award winners, you'll get uh, my favorite Islanders game, which you should call the line if you have an Islanders game that is memorable to you. The number is 646-980-8857, it's open day or night, as long as the game is memorable to you for whatever reason, could be something hilarious. You know, maybe maybe you got drunk at the game and ended up, you know, donating all of your clothes to Salvation Army. I don't know, whatever. Like, if something happened in that game that is funny to you, we want to hear about it. 646-980-8857. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter?
1: It's the Big League Basket with two E's.
0: Follow Mike at the Big League Basket with two E's. You can follow me at Culture of Losing. And you can follow all of our Lighthouse Hockey podcasts at LHH Podcast. So do that too. And hey, you know, I never say this. Uh, but we're all going to be up late watching these games. And, and, you know, I, I always forget to do this because we have so many little notes and stuff at the end of every episode, but if you have a second and you want to give us a review on iTunes, please do. It really does kind of help raise our profile and, and it can really help people find the show a lot easier. You give us a review. I would prefer it be a five-star glowing review, but Hey, if it's not, you know, tell us what you think, uh, it, it all, it all, you know, kind of gets, gets into the mix there and, and it can really help raise the profile of the show and and we do see them. So, and we appreciate them, especially if you have nice things to say about it. So yeah, iTunes, if you have a, a chance to give us a review, thank you for listening. Uh We'll be back next week. I didn't even look at their schedule, but yeah. uh, they have, when is that game in in Pittsburgh? That's the worst thing too, is they play these three Western Canada teams and then end up in friggin' Pittsburgh.
1: Afterwards. And then, yeah, I made the mistake of looking at Carolina's upcoming schedule for the next couple of weeks too. And it's like, they, they have like 11 games against the Sabres and three games against the the, the <laughs> Red Wings, and they do have have some games left against like the Penguins and whatever. But if you uh, if you want to feel if you don't want to f- feel bad about yourself, don't look at that schedule because it is breaking. Yeah. It, it you know we we talk about how there's no easy game, and the island we we joked about the Islanders' schedule softening up, and look what they did when the schedule s- softened up here. Uh, they they went Owen oh Owen oh, <laughs> oh two and two or whatever they did, but uh, so it will not make you feel better is, is the point. And
0: well, hopefully their slump continues as well. But uh, yeah, so it's Tuesday, Vancouver, Thursday, Friday, Calgary, Edmonton. And then Sunday, it's six o'clock in Pittsburgh. So Ugh. the Islanders need points. They need to win some of those games. <laughs> if not, and if they don't, uh, and we talk on either Monday or Wednesday of the next week, things are going to get pretty ugly, uh, which we don't want. Um, but we'll see what happens. Okay. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Bye-bye.